Hi everyone, this is Pal, and I'm here with Mo, and today we are going to talk about the transits of 2022. But before we jump into that, we think it's really important to recap the transits of 2021, especially since certain ones are still going to be major players in the 2022 astro weather. So we, we're going to try to keep this under three hours. We'll see how it goes. We're going to do this recap of 2021, go into like a top five transits of 2022 to watch out for. It's five-ish. It's going to be a little over five, less than 10. And then we're going to go by um, month by month. And all of these timestamps are going to be in the show notes. So let's just jump straight into the 2021 recap, Mo. Where do you want to begin? Oh my god. <clears throat> um, let's start with Saturn Uranus because like I feel like that's a transit we've been set up for like since 2020, but it's like really had the chance to like peak at least tw- what was it like two or three times this year? At very yeah, three times. God. And the last time that this peak transit is actually happening is literally Christmas Eve. So if you're expecting holiday joy don't get a little too excited like one way i've seen that manifest is like just sort of this tension between like people's response to the lockdown situation right like Mm -hmm. i feel like people are not as willing to go along with it now Mm -hmm. like they were before um like i remember when mars was in scorpio um opposing uranus and scoring saturn like in some european countries when they were trying to institute restrictions and lockdowns people were protesting and they got pretty violent um so i've seen some of that what are your observations with saturn uranus pal (sighs) yeah definitely i i I, so just to recap the dates for everyone the times where the saturn uranus square went exact were february 17th june 14th and then this upcoming one i I really hope i I really want to try to release this before this episode before december 24th by the way but so people are listening can um follow along but yeah december 24th and um definitely like there, there were all these covid milestones too in terms of cases and deaths that kept getting reached in each of those dates and I also, and I, I think you're right too, like just the growing impatience around regulations and restrictions really kicked up. Like I'm already, we're already seeing that even with this, the spread of Omicron, like people are already mm-hmm. really, really upset that places are starting to bring back indoor mask mandates or starting to, you know, put limitations on travel and things like that. And, um, and yeah, I think too, it's also really important to know, and this is again, this is going to come up in 2022, that it just seems like every time Mars joins this party, it's just worse. <laughs> it's um, it just, something. Exactly. It's like every time Mars joins in. And the other, the other pattern I've noticed too was just um, challenges to authority or changes in leadership had tended to happen, especially when Mars was involved. So as we all remember, you know, in January of last year, when the Mars Saturn, um, the tor- when Mars was in Taurus squaring Saturn in Aquarius in January, we had the Capitol riots, and um, the riot, and then we also, and then you know, a few weeks after, we had the inauguration, um, where here in the United States, but even globally around the world, um, you know, February when the Saturn Uranus square went exact, there was that coup d'état in Myanmar, um. 
June, or it hit in June, um, the Prime Minister of Israel got voted out of office for after how many years? And um, yeah. Oh, wait. Um, you said the so in the summer was it July or was it June? Um, Sorry. So it was the the Saturn Uranus square went exact in June, but then July is when Leo Mars Mars was in Leo and was joining that whole foray. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, I remember that um, the Haitian president got assassinated. Yes. yes. And Mars was you know like activating all of that stuff was. I don't think the sun was there at that point, but I don't think so. But yes, you you are right. That was one of the other things like I noticed too. Um, and I would say, I mean, the the last observation I really saw that was very very peculiar to me, but it I think it totally tracks with Saturn and Uranus was a lot of stuff around outer space. <laughs> was happening and so um for example like in february of this year nasa's uh, mars 2020 mission landed on the planet and um you know as we all remember during the summer jeff bezos you know launched in this space and that you know that shit about billionaires in space was like all over news and social media and then i was just telling mo that when the saturn uranus square goes exact in december so december 24th the um, the James Webb Telescope is planning on launching, and this is supposed to be the big replacement of the Hubble um, spacecraft. And I was just reading this article about how a lot of folks in NASA are just like incredibly nervous about this because I think it's you know just I think it's the years of the preparation and the money and like all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's <clears throat> those are all really good points. Um, so I think especially with like all these stories that have kept coming out about this billionaire, this rich person, or like these people like who've been taking these rides on like, what, what is it? Blue origin? Like Jeff Bezos's like space thing. Um, I think we'll see more of that in 2022, but I think that there's so much other stuff going on that it's more of like a background thing. And I think some of this has to do with the fact that Saturn and Uranus, even though like the square will come close, it won't perfect again. Like after, after this Friday or this weekend, this is like as perfect as their square is going to get. And for a long time. So yeah. 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 Yep. I think no. I, I'm glad you really made that point because it's it's still going to be squaring by whole signs, of course, in 2022. But no, we do not get the exact squares after this one. Yeah, I think Saturn stations direct pretty close. Like I think it comes within three degrees, but it doesn't perfect mm. when it yeah. goes direct in the fall. So, yeah. Um. I feel like the next thing to talk about is this Venus retrograde, which just started. <laughs> oh my God. Venus retrograde has been so loud for me personally. So Venus, like Venus wasn't retrograde yet, but she was slowing down. Uh-huh. And what was interesting was, um, I think it's interesting how like, as Venus has like gotten closer to Pluto and like, been transiting those degrees of the Saturn Pluto conjunction, all this stuff with Omicron has like really come up again. So like one thing people have been talking a lot about is how the pandemic has ruined, you know, the supply chain or like, you know, people's beliefs about where we are in the pandemic. Like I think 
there was an announcement that um, the U.S. is going to start charging student loans again. They're going to mm-hmm. resume collecting people's money. Um, and for me personally, so Venus rules my third house. I'm in a third house perfection year. I was supposed to have an exam today. But, um, you know, Canada was like, uh, this is getting out of hand and stuff has just been closing left and right. And I think like a string of most of the major universities in Toronto, like all on the same day, literally were like, so classes are closed until the end of January, (laughs) which is interesting because I think Venus goes direct at the end of January and, um, you know, uh, any per- in-person exams that are remaining are basically canceled. And so, like, me and my uh, classmate, we were uh, all in limbo. We were just like, what is going on? We don't know if there's an exam. We don't know if there's not an exam. Like, um, we knew it was canceled for the undergraduates because we're in, like, a mixed-level class. And so their dean of studies canceled exams for everybody. And I was like, cool, what does this mean for the grad students? Like, mm-hmm. And I don't think it was until like, so this is Wednesday and then Friday, I think like 12 hours before the station, we got an, we finally got an email from the TA saying, yeah, like there's no exam. Like we were all just like so panicked and paranoid. So that was a very literal manifestation for me. Um, wow. Also, a lot of my tech is not working. <laughs> it's just not working. Like oh I can't God. send messages. Like my email's going in and out. Like there's just so much little stuff that's just not working for me right now. And it's actually very annoying. Um, and then finally, like, because this, like the retrograde itself is in my 11th. I just keep hearing about all these relational problems that my friends are having. Oh. And it's just so bad. Like it's so bad. Yeah. It's just literal. How about you? Oh, God. I, I don't know where to begin because it, it has been very, very literal for me, too. I It's a reminder that it's not just Mercury retrogrades that can really fuck up with your tech or just create these little annoyances. Like, we had to delay the recording of this episode because my laptop was refusing to boot up um, at startup. And I finally was able to sit down and troubleshoot it myself this morning. So it worked out. But for now, (laughs) I'm like trying not, I'm just like holding my breath, just seeing if there's going to be more issues with this poor computer. But relational issues, yes, definitely. I've had even my own, like my partner and I had our first like really big fight right before Venus stationed retrograde and it, it got resolved. But it got resolved because he, he caught COVID. He caught COVID right when... I mean, this is going a little bit into Mars and Sag, which we'll talk about a little bit too, but um, Mars rules his sixth house. And as soon as Mars entered Sag, he tested positive for COVID and and then needed a home test for me <laughs> to <them> for, prior <laughs> to two, because he was he already had a fever. So that's how he had found out he tested positive, which is like why we made up. <laughs> God, what a mess. Um <laughs> But even other people I know as well, like I have another friend who tested positive for COVID and like right before all that was going down, her and her boyfriend decided he was going to move out. Like they're not breaking up, but they decided they need to like have this, make this major change of like not living together anymore um, for indefinitely. And so that was a big deal for her. Um, 
But I think the other the other big thing that was really literal for me is it's in my ninth house and it rules my first house and my sixth house. So I am trying to be extremely careful about COVID. Um, just with, like the cases really are spiking here, just like they are everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but because it's a retrograde, like it really inspired me to, I, I was listening to this podcast episode on invisible labor and emotional labor in households, you know, especially in heterosexual, um, like marriages and, you know, the inequities around divisions of labor and stuff like that. As I was listening to it, it really made me curious about what that was like for like my ancestors and in particular i was really thinking about my dad's grandparents because they had they had lived on a farm and so i spent an hour talking to him on the phone and i i do not have a close relationship with my dad like that but like it was really really fucking cool like talking to him on the phone for like an hour hearing about these stories mm-hmm. of, like my grandma or my great grandma my great my great grandma and how she had to run a farm and household and all these kind of things but um, yeah, I thought that was very Venus RX. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very loud. And I feel like a lot of the Venus, like I noticed ever since Venus went into Capricorn and like got into the shadow, I've noticed like, at least when I was trying to buy clothes from certain stores, like going, this is on back order until this time in 2022. <laughs> and it's just like, why are you going to take people's money? Like, this is pathetic. And I remember talking to my mom a couple weeks ago and she said, yeah, like it's been, because she does a lot of art. It's been hard to get certain art supplies. Like it's been hard to do this, that. And like, I mean, I've even noticed for like a lot of things that like, you know, you enjoy or kind of luxuries. So for example, some might argue that the, you know, $3 a can I spend on my cat's food is a luxury. I mean, because no, I mean, that's fair, but I noticed they look better and they have less, you know, rash things going on when I feed them this. But like, no, every time I've gone to the pet store, they don't have like certain foods that my cats like to eat. Wow. And um, it's just, it's just been crazy. And so I think a lot more of that like is going to come up. And like, I think a lot of us are going to for- be forced to like reckon with like, you know, taking control of our finances and thinking about like, is this thing worth spending on when it seems like there's like one, a lot of scarcity and two things are getting more expensive. And it's almost Mm. like this, how much are you willing to pay for certain things? Yeah. No, I'm glad you said that because I mean, right before this episode, I was looking through, like I actually had a lot of anxiety around looking at my bank account (laughs) and my budget. And I finally just, you know, I was like sucked it up and just pushed through it and looked at all that stuff. But no, prices really are rising. Like I was like finally updating like my mint budget and just seeing how much gas had went up, how much electricity had went up. And I I do want to point out that in our 2021 year ahead forecast, you had mentioned the possibility of financial stuff coming up, especially in the U.S. once Venus enters Capricorn. And because this is, um, you know, if you use the Sibley chart, this is the second house for for the U.S. And on top of supply chain issues, now we have rising inflation for the first time in how many decades? Yeah, it's funny because the same thing's happening in Canada, which if you use a certain chart is Aries rising. So it's got a Taurus second house and it's like, yep, everybody's like pissed because, you know, prices are rising and it doesn't seem like there's an end in sight. (laughs) It's so bad. Like, 
Yeah. Damn. Yeah. I am curious to see what will happen with inflation, especially with Jupiter and stuff, because um, I think it's also important to, because I, I, I had to do this whole read, like, we've never gone through like rising inflation like at least since we've really been alive i don't know how it is in canada but um yeah since we've been alive we haven't really seen it and so i really did a deep dive study on inflation as much as i can you know, i'm not an economist or anything and um one of my takeaways from it is a lot of it is it's it's an illusion in some ways right like inflation ends up driving up because out of fear usually especially from businesses because as they see rising prices they just want to raise their prices raise their prices and it's just kind of this cycle this really really shitty cycle that tends to only at least the last time it only ended when the federal government um forced a recession so yeah yeah we'll see how it goes Oh, yeah, no. And I, I think to the fact that like when Pluto went into Capricorn in what, 2008, that's when we had the Great Recession. And I think of the fact that Capricorn's doing its last farewell tour the next two years. <laughs> it's doing its little farewell tour before it, you know, terrorizes us all in Aquarius. But, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if like, you know, the things that started this period, you know, show up again in the end, but just like we're forced to deal with it in a different way. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Well, that said, do, Jupiter and Pisces, um, we were both talking about how we should really talk about it because it, it happens. It starts this week, right? Yeah. No, next week. Next week. Next week. 28th. 28th. It's great. Um, yeah, Jupiter Pisces. So I remember, like, I was listening to like some of our, um, what was it our uh, Deccan's episodes where we talk about like the forecasts and stuff. And I was like, I remember I was musing on Jupiter and Pisces, like the first two degrees being like Canada managing to get its whole, almost like eighty percent or eighty five percent of their population double vaccinated in like four months or something yes. like it was crazy and um i think that what's interesting is we're coming up on this now with omicron going wild and i'm just thinking like my gut is that like omicron like this is why i'm not as worried about it like i know that like yeah saturn uranus like i remember saturn uranus was like there when people were freaking out about lambda or delta plus or something over the <laughs> yeah. summer and like that that ended up being fine but like i think that um just thinking about like the us chart and some of the country's charts that i know off the top of my head like it's like okay like a lot of countries that i can think of it's like their rulers are going to be in domicile or exaltation in the first couple months of 2022 mm. so it's like I'm not really, and you know, the, the chart ruler represents the country, its people, things like that. So it's like, I'm not really as worried about Omicron. Like, yes, it's spreading like wildfire. But I think that like, at least what I predict for Canada in the next like, two months, or even like, yeah, two months, like, it's just going to be this massive like booster campaign, which helps mm, a lot. Yeah, that's what I think. No, I mean, the boosters definitely, everyone I know who got it, with the exception of one person, did not have the booster, but had the two 
earlier yeah. vaccines and i've mm-hmm. had the booster and i've i've been exposed to positive cases and I, I, you know thank god like i st- i haven't tested positive yet so mm-hmm. i yeah um i also want to note like jupiter and pisces this year it was very briefly there from like may 13th until july 28th it was Mm -hmm. very briefly direct until it's stationed retrograde again and just turned back around into aquarius and when i look back to that time like unfortunately i do think eclipse season and mercury retrograde did crash the party a little bit but Mm -hmm. at the same time we did see increased vaccinations we did see restrictions start to ease up right around that time um it's what sucked was then the spikes started happening again like in july and august like as soon as Mm -hmm. um as soon as jupiter left pisces yeah and so i i don't know i feel like and i know people might like you know, get mad at me for like being optimistic, but it's like, uh, Jupiter was doing a lot, a lot of nice things this summer. Like, even though it was short lived. Um, and I think, didn't the Olympics start before Jupiter dipped back into Aquarius? I'm pretty sure. Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Okay, I'm thinking of the fact that the 2022 Olympics are coming. That that's gonna be a whole that's gonna be a whole different ball game because um, mm, I'm thinking about that. When do they start? I don't even remember. Oh, I have no idea either. I have not been keeping track. All I've been keeping track of is the fact that um, all these countries are like trying to diplomatic boycott. Oh yes, okay, it starts February fourth to the 20th oh got it okay oh okay that's interesting i mean we can get into that when we get to february but like i mean (laughs) um yeah but no like uh all i can think of is like okay there was the olympics going on and like people were feeling more confident to travel like i know some countries were lifting their travel restrictions it's ironic that like literally a bunch of countries are like shutting down their borders right now and doing this, that, and other. <laughs> but I really think that when Jupiter goes back into Pisces, you're going to see the undoing of that. I know that sounds crazy because literally like as of like the last two weeks, everybody's like, okay, we're shutting down travel. We're shutting down this. But like, I don't know. I do feel like Omicron will get better. Like as people, you know, booster up and, um, you know, certain restrictions stay in place for, you know, a time, I think it will get better. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying it's going to get better as soon as Jupiter goes in. That's not what I'm saying. I just think yeah. that, you know, like, we're going to, like, things are going to look a lot different in that respect as we get through, like, the end of January and things mm-hmm. like that. That's what I mean. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about in 2021? Because I do feel like we're already starting to creep into January 2022. So I'm like, hmm. I mean, no. I mean, the only thing that's bothering me is Mars and Sag right now. Like, very soon. Like, I I feel like it's not going to feel the same as it is, like, now. Because of the dignity change that Jupiter is going through in a week. Mm. So those are things to keep in mind. But other than that, I think we can, like, jump into January. Okay, 
sounds good let's um well actually first let's just jump into because we wanted to talk about just like what our top five <coughs> transits of 2022 are and um i think i'll just kind of go down because we, we talked about this a little bit as we prepped this episode but um one thing we wanted to know and this is more general is that mercury the mercury retrograde um retrogrades this year because there tend to be three every year and all three this year will start in air signs again, just like they did in last year. But this time around, they're going to end in earth signs. And then then the coming year, we're going to see them just fully in earth signs, right? So, Yeah, and something that I love doing with Mercury Retrogrades is if you are a fan of whole sign houses, which I am, um, what you can see is that Mercury re- Retrogrades will coincide with like a triplicity of houses. So... You know, houses one, five, and nine, which I call houses of identity and self-expression. Two, six, ten, work and vocation. Three, seven, eleven, relationships and socialization. Four, eight, twelve, houses of secrets, endings, and legacies. So, like, those are things you can think about, and you—it's kind of like a little cheat sheet you can use to see how Mercury retrograde is going to affect you. So, yeah, highly recommend doing it. No, I, I really like that, and I also because the last year's retrogrades were in the air signs, um, fully in the air signs. You could look back at what was happening in the twenty twenty one retrogrades to see if there's going to be patterns and recurrent themes. Because as Mo said, it's going to be happening in the same houses, but they are ending in the earth signs this year. So that's just like a slight difference from last year. Yeah, and unlike you know the air signs where you know. I feel like of the different elements, air is the most fluid and like talkative. Like mm-hmm. there was a lot of talking, which led to trouble and annoyance. Uh, whereas I think like it'll start off that way and it'll become more about like what you can do and like consolidate, which will be nice. So it's like instead of talking, there's doing. Yeah, like a, like a nice combination of the two. Yeah. And I think the other thing we wanted to generally mention for 2022 is the eclipses because we um, we already started the sign change just um, last last month already yeah last month mm-hmm. God. Um, you know we had about like a year and a half of eclipses in Sagittarius and Gemini and now we're moving into Taurus and Scorpio eclipses so all of the eclipses in 2022 are going to be in those signs. The nodes will fully move into Taurus and Scorpio in January. And so I think the general thing I want to say about it is it's going to be a year for fixed sign placements. Like, that's for sure. I mean, in addition to just the Saturn Uranus stuff that we'll go into next. But it's, um, yeah, the eclipses don't help with that. I am... I'm fixed signs everything, but in particular, I'm also, a, I'm a, I'm a Taurus rising. And so these eclipses are hitting me right in the first and seventh house. So, um, you know, I'm just going to try to breathe into it. Yeah. The fixed signs are having their main character moment right now. And I would say for parts of 2023, like, whereas it was the Cardinals, the four <laughs> fixed signs, it's your turn. Like, <laughs> it's your turn. I, I like though I like characterizing it like that like that yeah this is a main character year and unfortunately when you're in the main character 
one of the <laughs> big downsides is it's, it's going to come with challenges. Like any good story already starts with a challenge, like right on that first page. <laughs> and well, and then it just and turns into a, the whole story is a series of challenges that lead to a resolution in the end. Yeah. And I think with a lot of these heavy transits coming through the fixed signs, like there's this element of like permanent change, like that comes through what's happening because, you know, fixed signs are about sustaining what is and giving a sense of permanence so lots to think about <laughs> I, 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 I feel like we should do a podcast episode just on this because this is literally the name of this podcast yeah and you and I are gonna you know we both have these heavy placements in these signs mm-hmm. I even be down to hear just from just other <laughs> folks who also have fixed sign placements like maybe as guests but yeah. that would be a good episode I think that should be like because I know, I mean, we'll talk about this closer to the end or even at the Cap Deckens episode, but like after the next series we're going to do, I think moving towards like that would be cool. Like interviewing people of different modalities or something. Ooh, like, that'd be fun. <laughs> fun. I know we could interview some like mutables and be envious of the fact that they just get all that Jupiter and Pisces stuff for the year. Ah, <laughs> uh, Neptune. Neptune is still there. That's true. Causing problems. <laughs> Causing <laughs> problems. Oh Lord. Um, um. Yeah. I. Anything else on the eclipses? Because I think if not. No. The one thing I will say about the eclipses is that Uranus is there, adding some kind of surprise. Um, sometimes it's pleasant. Other times it's not. So those are things to be mindful of. <laughs> Those are things to be mindful of. So it might really feel like changes that seem to come out of left field that end up like changing the course of whatever is going on in the Taurus and Scorpio parts of your life, especially. Yes. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. Brace yourself. It could be external changes, internal, like anything can go sometimes with Uranus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I. I think the next thing which we've already talked about is the Saturn Uranus. Um, even though that conjunction's not going to go exact, or conjunction, sorry, that square won't go exact again um, for the in this year. It's still going to be happening by whole signs, and I do think that the two main transits to really watch that are going to kind of kick this up are uh, in April fourth. There's going to be a Mars Saturn conjunction in Aquarius. Uh, we haven't. We'll talk more about that when we talk go into the details. But we haven't had that conjunction happen since 2020. And I mm-hmm. and then on August first, there's a Mars Uranus North Node <laughs> conjunction in Taurus. So that's all going to be squaring Saturn. Mm-hmm. And then you had yep. mentioned already that in I believe it's in October when Saturn stations direct. It's going to be about three degrees away from Uranus. It's like about three degrees away. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. as close as it's going to get. So I think we can go more into detail as those those three transits happen when we go into those months. But I think as a general note, like these, I think these are some of the heaviest transits that yes. we'll, we'll face in 2022. And uh, last but not least, though, Mars retro. Great. And Gemini. And (laughs) so, you know, what's funny, like what Pal was saying about like Mars going into Aquarius and Taurus, like really triggering the square, like the already separated square between Uranus and Saturn. 
What's interesting is that Aquarius and Taurus are the two last fixed signs that um, Mars will see before it goes into Gemini for like mm, six or seven months. (laughs) So it's like any tension going on between like the need for upheaval, um, especially in the Tyrian parts of our lives or related to, you know, the things we value and want to consolidate and consistently enjoy versus like, you know, the sort of ideals and structures and systems that we should be making room for in the, you know, like Aquarian parts of our lives. Right. Um, it's like Mars is going to get the chance to spend time with, with Saturn and Uranus. Right. It's going to conjoin both of them at different times of the year, but it's not going to get to like go through the other fixed signs to apply that tension. Right. So things to think about. And I mean, Mars and Gemini, we'll talk more about it towards the end, but if you know the Sibley chart very well, that's an extended Mars return for the year. (laughs) (laughs) So um, 2022 is going to be really um, interesting for those reasons. Oh, yes. I think the last two um, things we had highlighted when we were doing the prep for this show is... In February, going into March, Venus and Mars are going to just have this long extended conjunction. Like they're basically, Mm -hmm. because Venus had been retrograde for for quite some time and it's just barely picking up speed, it's going to be moving at the same speed that Mars is going to be for about three weeks. And so they're going to be kind of back and forth conjoined through Capricorn. They'll conjoin... Um, Pluto together in on March 3rd and then they finally start separating at around for for good at around March 10th so um I I think that one's gonna be a rough time for Venus in any kind of Venusian things because Mar- Mar- Venus is also gonna be besieged <laughs> like it's gonna also just have to deal with Saturn as well um but um what do you call it um oh my god i lost my train of thought but mars you know mars is gonna have dignity in capricorn mars is gonna be exalted in yeah, capricorn, and so. like a fucking a good chunk of time mars is gonna be pretty bonafide for a while because it'll be sextile jupiter it'll be conjunct venus like mars is having a great time until it gets into aquarius venus not having the best of times but i will say like Venus having triplicity conjunct Mars is going to be a lot more constructive than when they both go into Aquarius where they're like (laughs) ruled by Saturn. So (laughs) yes, yes, it's not. And then we'll, we'll go more into the details on this, but then after it's time in Aquarius, then Venus jumps into Pisces and it's like a cool, refreshing bath after just all that dryness of Aquarius and then the cap stuff. Listen, yeah. Um, so that's going to be interesting to watch. I mean, we'll talk more about it as we go through the first like couple months of the year. What was yeah. the other one that we had? Jupiter entering Aries in May because that means one. The, the Jupiter Pisces is brief again, which is you know. Huh? Um, we'll talk again more about April because that final period of like Jupiter and Pisces, I think is going to be really significant. Just whatever, just in general, what's happening with Jupiter, I think this year is like kind of really interesting to know. Cause yeah, it's going to have this like really nice time in Pisces. 
And then when it goes into Aries, that's going to be very fascinating as well, because soon after Mars enters Aries, and then Venus is also going to be in there for a brief time. So you have these three planets, one that has rulership in that sign, um, having a pretty fiery time in Aries. Yeah, I think it's like going to make things go a lot quicker than they have. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's the one thing, like, especially Jupiter and Mars and Aries, it's like things that were slow are going to like really like start to pick up like in the summer maybe slow down a bit when mars goes into taurus and jupiter goes retrograde (laughs) yes and then you know when mars goes into gemini it's like (laughs) yeah yes yes i think that was it in terms of overall that's it um okay so yeah things to think about um i think that yeah, no, that's a good transition into January, um, which I will say, like, if you look at the first three months of the year, I feel like January and March are kind of jam-packed in February. Like, I couldn't find that much that I was, like, moved by. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. That was just me. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I think January, we start off the year with, there, there is there's just quite a bit going on. Um, I want to make a quick note of Mars and Sag squaring Neptune in Pisces because last year's Mars-Neptune square kicked my ass and I and I, I just wasn't I, I just wasn't prepared for it because it was just kind of like a, a transit I just didn't think much of. Um, I think for me, it, it, it created just like a lot of anxiety and I think that was partially because Mars was in Gemini. <laughs> um, and mm-hmm. I and then I also remember too when that Mars um, Neptune square happened last April, like it led to a cyclone that you know, there was a cyclone that had killed 270 people in Indonesia. Japan had approved dumping Fukushima's radioactive waste into the Pacific Ocean um, gradually, but still, yeah, I mean, it's radioactive waste getting dumped in the Pacific Ocean. So it just seemed to really track with Mars, that Mars Neptune square. So that's happening on January 11th. Yeah, no, like, let me see. Yeah, no, that's that's pretty loud. I mean, I will say that before we get there, though, like, what's interesting to me is, like, three days before that, we have the Venus retrograde Kazemi and Capricorn. Yeah. It's at, like, 18 degrees. And I know a lot of people pay attention to, like, you know, the retrograde stations, but I feel like paying attention to the Venus Kazemis is super important because – Something that I've been thinking about with retrogrades, like of the, um, like the inferior planets, so the like the inner planets relative to Earth, so like Mercury and Venus, is that it's the most obvious change in solar phase. I mean, it's true; it's still true for the um, the superior planets, so Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. Except the halfway point of the retrograde, instead of being a conjunction, it's an opposition, just because of how far. They are relative to each other, but also to the earth. So um, I've been thinking about that and how um, people like Becca Tarnas, for example, have often uh, referenced like Venus going like, it's like Venus going to the underworld and like coming back out, like so she can change her relationship to the sun. I mean, Mercury does the same thing too. And so I think that like, 
this is like an important turning point of sorts. And I'm thinking about like this Venus retrograde in terms of what it means for supply chain issues, like money, but also like a lot of the Roe v. Wade stuff is heavily tied into like the Saturn, um, Jupiter conjunction stuff that happened at those like degrees of Capricorn last year and how so many people who are like implicated like for example Amy Coney Barrett like she has some capricorn placements that are getting hit by this um who else like and if you look at the chart for Roe v Wade like i think the sun or some important points are sitting at like 18 capricorn so i think that there's some turning point with respect to that that comes up um, also, it's interesting how um, the trial against Ghislaine Maxwell, I feel like that's a very Venus-Pluto thing going on. Like, she has a bunch of placements in Capricorn that are getting hit by this retrograde. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I think a lot of the stuff related to, like, you know, that or how, like, you know, people in power, like, maybe abuse, like, people, particularly women, people who identify with womanhood, like, mm-hmm. um, and use their power and leverage over them. Like, I feel like those are themes that will be, I guess like decisions will be made that are relevant. So like I'm watching, you know, the January 8th, this, that, and other. So. Yeah. I think um, on that vein too, another story I've been watching has been, um, so right before the Venus retrograde, when Venus was already in Capricorn, the news had come out that, there, there's a writer named Alice Siebold. She had written. She's most famous for the love, the lonely, lovely bones. Oh my god, I always the lovely bones, the lovely, lovely bones. bones. Mm-hmm. And she, um, you know, she had written another book about how that based on how she had been raped when she was 18 years old, and um, and had found her rapist um five months after the rape and took him to trial, and then he got charged, then she got justice. Well during yeah in the during this venus and capricorn time she or her um her rapist had been um exonerated because they found that there really was really really terrible evidence used to accuse him and she had written an open letter and statement apologizing um and she wrote a lot about just you know she had felt like she found justice during like a really really extreme time and had in no way intended to just perpetuate just the really really shitty justice system you know her rapist or the, the man that she accused of being her rapist was a black man who um anyway um so now there's all this stuff i, I wonder if more is going to come out with this oh story. i saw that actually yeah. i didn't realize it before like i just heard about it and like i remember people being upset with her for like it's like you ruined this man's life and like yeah. you're making this about you or something like i don't yeah. know and the story, I mean, to me, I, I found it just really, really just like morbidly fascinating because, you know, it's what 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 it, it makes me question what is justice in all of this. And going back to Venus and Capricorn, I, I was just reading the post-colonial astrology chapter on um, on Venus and just just like you were mentioning with um, Becca Tarnas you know, they also mention in that chapter Venus's descent into the underworld are um and a not relating it to the story the two stories about inana and how one of those is um her descending into the other world another one is her you know going um trying to go after her rapist and trying to kill him for justice and she eventually does but 
Um, but yeah, the chapter goes a lot into how like Venus does deal with like a lot of um, being like a redeemer, bringing justice. You know, we have to. We also can't forget. You know, Venus associate Venus is a ruler of Libra, right? But um, but yeah, that case really makes me think a lot about um, about those associations. And I do wonder with this retrograde now whether it's going to come up. Um, there there is talks about like doing a documentary on this whole story about you know like how how did a man you know get accused like and charged of raping with just so little evidence Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, no um i i'm really like curious as to um what a lot of that is going to mean uh what's interesting is also that the kazemi takes place on the neptune uranus conjunction of the eu chart (laughs) which is in the sixth house. Like, honestly, the European Union is going through some rough transits next year. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I think their lunar return, like, back in uh, last month was actually also eclipsed because they actually have, like, um, the moon in Taurus, like, at those, like, late degrees. But they have a sun early in Scorpio. So, like, they weren't quite an eclipse baby, but born, like, really close to the eclipses like when the eu is finally established and i think it's just interesting because it's also a leo rising chart like depend like the chart that's floating around is a leo rising chart so it's like really interesting to consider a lot of these transits and um what this means for the standing of the eu and what that means because when i see when i see uranus and neptune and the sun hitting like the natal placement like it's just giving a lot of like dissolving and um something that like shakes up the structure to its core um and things like that so i think that that's something i'm also kind of watching for a little bit yeah i i would i would characterize january as just having there's a lot going on in capricorn mostly obviously because of that venus retrograde but you also have mercury um Mercury um, stationing retrograde while it's in Aquarius, but it that does mean it does go back into Capricorn. It Mercury is going to conjoin Pluto three times, like it, it does it already in December twenty twenty one. It's going to do it once in January, and then it's going to do it again in February. Mm-hmm. So you've yeah. got Mercury all in this mix too, and then Mars is going to enter Capricorn in January as well, and that toward the end on the twenty fourth, and that's the sign of its exaltation. So, yeah, I I, I think from yeah, once Mars enters Capricorn, it's gonna there's gonna be good there could be good, it could be a good time for Mars things, but I yeah. don't know if he's gonna be do he's gonna be co-signing very much of what the other planets in Capricorn are gonna be doing because he's not exalted, a- right? He's not a ruler. Not really. And, you know, they're all answering to Saturn, who's still, like, scoring Pluto. Um, Something that's interesting to me is that, like, so I'm interested in, like, that, that, like, 10 days, like, between the Mars-Neptune square and, like, um, I guess the sun moving into Aquarius, because, like, we get a full moon in Cancer, Uranus turns direct, right? So, like, Uranus and Saturn have been like so like Uranus has been separating from Saturn because it was going retrograde and then it finally turns direct Mm -hmm. um but what's interesting is that literally the same day the nodes like I don't know which calculation I was using when I came to this but around it's like around this late January period where the nodes actually moved into Taurus and Scorpio 
So it's like whatever Uranus is doing, which is, you know, electrifying and shaking things up and like causing a disturbance, not necessarily for a reason, but just because um, I think that really gets like amplified by the North Node being co-present. Yeah, yeah. Um, that January 30th is when the Sun Uranus square goes exact. And now there's going to be like, as you said, there's going to be, <laughs> there's going to be a nodes in the mix of this. And last year's sun Uranus square, which happened, you know, probably exactly a year prior to was, you know, the Trump impeachment and the Biden inauguration. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's great stuff. Um, what's interesting is I'm like curious about the Mercury Kazemi and Aquarius that happens like not too long before like the sun uranus square square goes exact because hmm, i can't remember exactly what happened last time mercury went retrograde in aquarius on like a mundane level but i just think it's interesting that there's this sort of like hidden realization or like exchange or something like that and i'm just thinking a little bit about like the u.s chart for example it might even be related to like the leadership or relations to like other foreign countries just because of what mercury represents in the sibley chart um i think it's interesting that it's in the third house as well um which could be neighbors it could be male something like that um i think it's interesting that there's that hidden exchange before mercury goes back into capricorn to like go do its dance with pluto and what's interesting is this is a nice transition into february because um what happens is that I think the day that the Chinese um, Winter Olympics in Beijing are supposed to start, Mercury actually goes direct in Capricorn and there's a Sun Saturn Kazemi on that day. <laughs> All that's happening on that day. Oh my God. Yes. I, I, that is a good segue. I think I, I like, I mean, just to wrap up January, I do like that there's going to be two Kazemis, um, you know, Venus and Mercury one that month. Like I do think that those Kazemis mm -hmm. could lead to, um, again shifts you know like a, a, and and it could also lead to you know some aha moments as well amidst all of this just pluto metamorphosis so i yeah the, the end of the, the the month ends interestingly because i do think it's just then segues into february because like we do end with um again another mercury retrograde like pluto conjunction um mm -hmm. venus stationing direct that sun uranus square and then we're in february i don't know like i feel like venus going direct is finally like just thinking about a lot of the monetary stuff or the fact that we've been going into like lockdowns and what have you like i think some of that will probably like slow down because there's almost this element of like us figuring out like what's worth spending our time on what's worth like energetically like investing in like i know everybody likes the capitalist metaphor of capricorn as you know the workaholic right it's like for example if we're gonna lock down and like you're gonna make me work at home anyway why am i gonna like bust my ass to like come to work when i'm more productive in a space i'm comfortable in right mm -hmm. um so i think like something about venus turning direct is like maybe this being like the hmm, this is like the final straw like if we're gonna have to do this all the time why not create like a structure or an elaborate structure so that we can all like be more productive and maybe a little more comfortable like if you want to go with that metaphor and i think what's interesting is that 
Mercury conjoining Pluto, like I think of like Mercury kind of going into the underworld and bringing back messages of like, you know, the stuff that's going on that we're not really paying attention to. So like, um, you know, themes about like, you know, what's going on with some of these legal cases that are not getting a lot of coverage or like how are powerful people using their resources and like expecting us to like give things up. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, I think it tracks, and that the, Venus stations direct in Capricorn Deccan 2, which we can do, we'll talk more about for sure and <laughs> when we do the Cap Deccans episode soon. Yep. Yes. Um, All right. You ready, ready for February? Yeah, like, February is just so, like, it's like we go from having, like, all these events in Jan, and it's not that nothing's happening in February, but it's just kind of, like, it's not like aside from, you know, like the lunations. So like you know that new moon which is squared by Uranus. Um, it's not really. I don't know. It's just not really as dramatic, you know. It seems very um transitionary to me this mm-hmm. month because yeah I agree we do have this the lunation will be interesting because yeah it. I'm like before I don't want to jump too fast into February 16th let's let's backtrack a little bit actually and go talk about what you what one um, transit you had already mentioned which is that Saturn the the Saturn um the Sun Saturn conjunction (laughs) happens in Aquarius um right around the same time Mercury stations direct in Capricorn yeah and that's really interesting to me like I, I don't know there's something to me that's like somewhat related between like it's like first Mercury conjoins the Sun then like it goes back into Capricorn and then the sun finally catches up with Saturn. Cause you know, Saturn's ruling all these planets anyway. Right. And so there's almost like this reset and like anytime a Kazemi happens, it's a cycle reset. Right. And so I think this is setting us up for the next like year of Saturn and Aquarius. And so I think it's like what Deccan two that this conjunction is happening in. It should be. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. So. yeah. And I'm like thinking of the fact that like there there's lots of bridge or transitionary metaphors, which is funny, bridging, transitioning metaphors with this um, Saturn Kazemi. And I think like this is like maybe the beginning of the realization that hmm, maybe our approach to some of these like limits or limitations were not working, especially because like it's not an exact square, but like the square, like the square to between like the sun and Saturn and Uranus, like it's still there, but like it's not as tight as it was like I think last year when like a similar configuration happened because it was pretty tight last year. I think there could happened. definitely be pushbacks to either authority figures or certain, you know, rules or structures, mm-hmm. that's for sure. I think there's going to be there could be, you know, just kind of some growing pessimism or cynicism around those topics and I I mean I I think the worst case scenario is like on one end of it, it could be just, you know, more and more of this growing discontent toward COVID restrictions. Right. And like, of yeah. course, like I, I absolutely believe, you know, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, like an anti-masker by any, or by any means, but like, I don't think it can be denied that people are growing really, really weary of these restrictions. And it's, it's even before the Omicron just started ravaging the whole world. Um, there were already protests all throughout Europe and there have been protests in the United States around these things. But 
Yeah, I think people are like a new level of like done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're literally just like over it. And it doesn't like, even though Mars and Saturn are in a version right now, I think that like, I would see like Saturn as like being represent- representative of like an establishment or like an order and Mars and Uranus being like two different forms of rebellion. Mm-hmm. I think that like, that form of rebellion, at least like on the martial side, is um definitely um probably in its own world, like enjoying whatever it is that you know Venus and its aspects with Jupiter have to offer at that point. So it's almost like it's distracted mm-hmm. because they're finding ways to work within systems and like get as much done as possible. Um, and it's not like until you know, the fun or like the the buffering or the cushioning that both benefics can provide at the same time stop that like it really becomes a problem, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I just think it's interesting that Mercury stations direct on the same day and it's actually mm-hmm. still like even though it's like it's still pretty close to Pluto, not gonna lie. I think it's within like four degrees or something. Like it's pretty it's, close because that that Pluto conjunction goes exact on the eleventh. So yeah, it's two days after. It's not like that far. And so I'm just sitting there like, okay, like for me, like, even though the two planets are in aversion, it's almost like because Saturn's managing both of them anyway, it's like Mercury could be like the whistleblower being like, Hey, this is how like people have been using either their time resources or whatever, possibly like at the expense of other people, just cause there's that like Plutonian sort of aspect there. Um, and then Saturn sun Saturn, because, you know, remember like when planets are, even when planets are Kazemi, which is supposed to be like temporarily beneficial to the planet, like it's still not seen. Mm-hmm. So there's this element of like, obscuring by casting out light or casting out some kind of like ray because you know like a lot of people think oh like light can provide sight yes but if you're too close to it or you like stare at it too long it can obscure vision so like i think that's a very um underrated way of like viewing you know um combustion or like um you know what the sun does when it's in too close proximity to planets and so i'm wondering if like there's this attempt to cover up like whatever i don't know like a whistleblower or something was doing like Mm -hmm. i could easily i could easily see that because you know mercury is going to go over those degrees like near pluto and then come back into aquarius again yeah so yeah i wonder what kind of whistleblower because this past year has been i i it sounded like the big news was whistleblowers at facebook and just in the tech industry that was a big thing and i i wouldn't be surprised if more of that came up yeah just because a lot of these transits are still like technically aspecting uranus like by sign i would not be surprised if it was like more tech people getting subpoenaed or like more like so it's funny is that every time like a new set of papers about offshore accounts comes out it's like starting with a p there was the yes pandora Pandora. Pandora. (laughs) there was another one before that i can't remember there was one before panama i can't remember what it was (laughs) i've just gotten so disillusioned at this point like (laughs) it's sad here but uh 
Yeah. Yeah. Um. Other than that, um. But yeah, no, literally a week later on the 11th, Mercury conjoins Pluto, which is probably like, again, like raising the flag, like being like, hey, this is not, this isn't cool. This isn't great. Like, um, and then, yeah, like, I think, again, not much is happening again to like, what, the middle of the month. Yeah, yeah, the middle of the month, uh, on, on Valentine's Day, we get Mercury back in Aquarius, and then it's it's mm-hmm. the 16th, where we get this full moon in Leo on the same day that um, Venus and Mars conjoin in Capricorn, and then so just stay that way until about March 10th, and so... Um, as you 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 know this is this is about twenty three days of Venus and Mars like kind of holding hands throughout Capricorn and then into Aquarius, and like as you had mentioned earlier, Venus does have triplicity, so I don't think this is like the worst for Venus. And then Mars is exalted, but that does make Mars the stronger of the two. And I yeah I just get this sense that this this could be really good for Mars type things. Um, I think it could be a real struggle for Venus type things. I'll tell you, for example, like I, I already know what this is trying that's going to be for me. Like I know I'm very likely going to be breaking up with my partner at around that time. And I'm going to start preparing to move to New York city. And so I think it just 100% tracks for something like a breakup and a move where I'm going to be purging all of my stuff here and like really trying to ship as little as possible and really trying to start afresh in a new city. <laughs> I mean, you know what? Like, I kind of think about like the push-pull dynamic with Saturn. I'm sorry, not Saturn. Fuck, they're both in a Saturn sign, but like yes. Venus and Mars, because it's like they're. It's like Mars can, in some sense, represent like equal parts like repulsion, but also like what motivates you to like go for something. And then Venus is like, you know, the thing that like attracts you. And it's almost like I can see like some element of like you know this is also like venus starting to clear like the rest of her shadow and like move on from capricorn so it's like if you spent like the last six weeks like deliberating on oh like am i gonna end this relationship or not and maybe like deciding you want to end it and i feel like mars was just like following venus around like hey (laughs) we're gonna do this right so like here like i i finally like got like the wake up call and like here I'm gonna like do all these like basically become good on paper because you know Mars in Capricorn is like good on paper right mm-hmm. and it's like I need you to give me a chance give me another chance like something like that and then like them doing that little dance and then maybe Venus entertaining it for a while while they're still conjoined mm-hmm. then they both lose all dignity in Aquarius and then that's when the real like oh I'm gonna move on yeah finally happens like Ugh. yeah I, I the other thing so on a mundane level i thought it's really so sean hannity has displacement natally he has venus mars conjoined in capricorn in the 11th house <laughs> wait, a wait a second so you know uh fuck what's his name uh prince andrew has this i was just at- that's the next and- example i had Oh my god. And like what's funny is he's like a Leo he's a Leo rising. And I'm just sitting here thinking of like the fact that like he's kind of on trial right now himself. And then like his friend is also on trial. Or his former friend, whatever. Ghislaine. So I'm like some of these transits for him at the beginning of the year, I'm like, is this like 
I just think of the fact that like Venus rules his reputation, which is like his 10th house. And I guess like also his like friends connections, like his familiars in the press. And then like, you know, Mars rules like his family. Mm. Right. And so it could be like the family trying to like, you know, suppress stories or something to make them look good during this time. And then like all that goes out the window and they both enter his seventh. Right. Yeah. So. Damn. I didn't, I, I, I didn't even make those connections. Cause when I was looking at Prince Andrew's chart, I was just thinking about how one of the things he's most famous for was marrying um, Fergie <laughs> and how tumultuous that relationship was. Ooh, you know what? Like there's this theory that they're going to get remarried and what? like have a wedding and have a wedding so that it can distract from all this legal stuff. Oh shit! Yeah. Oh my god! If that happens, this <laughs> during this transit, that would be wild because that would this is gonna be a Venus Mars return for him. Um, and then yeah, and then as for Sean Hannity, he has been on the news recently because his te- his January sixth text messages had come out recently, where it- it's really showing that this very, very problematic relationship that the press and in him in particular had with the White House when Trump was in office, like he was advising the chief of staff at the time of, that Trump should, you know, make a statement, you know, condemn the violence, all that kind of stuff. He was saying this is going to really rep- ruin his reputation. And, um, you know, since then, he's really doubled down and he has he's now, you know, trying to like run the line just like everyone else at Fox News that. <laughs> It wasn't a riot and blah, 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 and the election stolen and blah. And so I wonder if other stuff's going to come out um, about him or. Oh, I, I really would not be surprised, especially for the fact that around this time again, Mercury is going to be clearing its shadow again, going through those degrees. I wouldn't be surprised if like the sun Mercury Kazemi is more of like revelations about like his relationship with you know the former president and like you know also drawing scrutiny on how even you know we can all like act like it's just fox news who does this i wouldn't doubt that to varying degrees other like people in the press do leverage their relationships with other politicians oh for sure like all the stuff that came out with about chris cuomo and how and how he's not cnn anymore because it just yeah it was just very clear that he played a very very active role helping his brother through all that the press and the legal stuff 100 percent. i mean okay but like honestly the only other thing that happens in february um is the sun going to Pisces. I mean, I know we're not talking about like every lunation, but I'm like, if it's not aspecting a planet or it's not an eclipse, like there's so much going on in 2022. So like if, though I will say that as we get to the later months, you'll notice that like the the new moons especially are making aspects to like planets, like planets that we've like flagged as doing something really important so like but that comes later in the year so like don't be alarmed if we're not talking about every new moon or every full moon like yes it's okay (laughs) yeah i i I also have no notes beyond and for february beyond sun enters pisces so we can jump into march then 
remember stuff is happening, but it's just kind of like, is this earth shattering? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do March. So I, right off the bat in March, um, I mean, speaking of lunations, we do have a new moon in Pisces on the second um, that happens on the same day that Mercury and Saturn conjoin. Um, I mm -hmm. don't have too much more to say about that but that is that is the way the month starts off but then that's the day after is when venus mars and pluto can join mm -hmm. in capricorn so this is the fine this is the third um and final conjunction venus makes with pluto but now mars has joined the party okay and so remember all that stuff i was saying about like attempts to like you know challenge like how people in power like maybe harm or try to control women um or you know abuse their positions so they can gain like favors or pleasure or things like that um again also like supply chain issues and like this like need to either like extreme like fluctuations in like our ability to have those things or like um, experience those things. I think that, um, especially because it's in the third decade of Capricorn, which I cannot emphasize enough, is all about you, your resources, how you distribute those things and who gets to be in charge of them, right? Again, Mars is like a source of disruption. Mars is exalted. And like, I think that if there's some important like ruling, whether it's like with some of these trials that people have, with regards to how they've ab abused their power or status to um, sexually assault people, sexually harass people, or um, people who have, you know, abused their power to hoard wealth. I think that there's some decision that's made that makes a lot of people really angry. Like it's a very, because it's Mars conjunct Pluto as well. Like, yeah. It's not a very pretty configuration. I'm sorry, guys. It's, it's not. not. I, I really think this is the this is the crescendo of the Venus and Capricorn story. Like, and it's it's not gonna be. I, I agree. I don't think it's gonna be a pretty one. I think I think on a more personal level, like yeah, of, of definitely look out for just various kind of dynamics um, and tensions in relationships. But on a like a more of a possible like positive out like signification of this could be you know dynamic creative work like that's for sure um, yeah or like t finally taking back like creative control over yes. something because like mars venus together are very creative influences right mm -hmm. this could be a day where like it's like okay say you're working on a project with somebody especially if it's like a creative one it's like I don't like how I've been treated and I'm the one who put in all the like work and like effort just thinking about like the martial significations of work and effort. Right. Like, and finally being in a position to be like, I'm taking back control of this. We're not like, we're, I'm not allowing someone else to idly sit by and benefit off of, you know, the labor that I, you know, put into this. And because Mars is the planet that is receiving rewards and honors, I will add that this is like really close to Mars's maximum degree of exaltation. Like mm. it's, it's like Mars is OP. <laughs> Mars is so OP. Okay. And so I also think of like the defensive, like 
for nocturnal Mars, which is more defensive. It's about protecting what's precious. I think this is a period where you can actually like take a stand for something that really matters to you mm. and being powered and even rewarded for doing so. That's the way I see it. But no, I like that. I, the, the beginning of March is very like bang, bang, bang. Cause it's like, that's, that's March 3rd is that conjunction. March 5th is the sun Jupiter Kazemi. And then March 6th is when Venus and Mars enter Aquarius. And as we talked about, it's kind of going to be um, quieter and not as fun for Venus and Mars because they neither of them have any dignity in there. It's like it's like you take the stand and you maybe get like all the attention and reward for doing it. But then like I feel like Mars and Venus going into Aquarius is like, okay. You have to go and like create the system to make this thing work now. Yeah. Okay, you you fought for this, but it's like you're given a bit blank canvas or like a you know like a like a a slab of like marble or clay, and you're being told sculpt a structure that like is just going to sit here forever, and you don't get any chances to do over, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, and especially with Saturn, like towards the end of Aquarius, waiting to evaluate what Mars and Venus have done respectively, mm-hmm. I think that like what happens in like the first few days or like the first week of March is like really setting the tone for that. Yeah, I when I think about this, like Venus and Mars, like into Aquarius together, and then, you know, and then they'll eventually start separating and they won't be as close together anymore. When I think of Venus and Mars in an air sign, I I do wonder if, I would think maybe one of the only possible things to like kind of really watch out for is maybe a perhaps like a more neurotic or an anxious even like Venus and Mars. So like as you're kind of hunkering down and doing the less glamorous and dramatic work of just like putting those structures into place, like trying not to get too caught up in the like, oh, like the anxiety is around, you know, maybe nailing down some details or like, who do I work together with on this kind of stuff? Or do I have community backing or like what? Yeah, and I think that, you know, a lot of the, t- because neither of them has dignity anymore, like any. And so, like, they kind of get, it's like, okay, I go from a place where I have somewhat support. And in Mars's case, it's like, I'm coming from, like, peak whatever. Being, like, somewhat negligible is kind of, or, like, estranged, stranded kind of, is mm. very disempowering. You're answering to an overpowered, like, malefic. <laughs> which is also not like who's waiting at the end to like literally grade you on whatever you've done. Like it's not, it's not fun. So I feel like for whatever's going on in the Mars, Mars ruled or Venus ruled parts of your life, which are kind of like trying to accomplish something together or like moving, like they're moving in similar directions because they're together, right? Their purposes are joint. Um, You might find that like, you're feeling like, you know, there's some, and it's funny because it's Saturn, literal gatekeeper. You're trying to put all this stuff together, maybe to appease a gatekeeper. I mean, who's somewhat responsible for you and your well-being, but like you still have to appease the gatekeeper. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Um, and what doesn't help is that before you even get to the gatekeeper so they can provide actual like tangible structure and limits and maybe evaluation, you've got Uranus casting its rays at you. And I feel like um, 
that doesn't come to like the second half of the month, but like that, like two weeks, like two and a half weeks in the case of Mars, like while they're trying to like get to their, um, get to the conjunction with Saturn, like they have to cross Uranus and Uranus is just kind of like throwing, literally throwing a wrench in like any plans you're trying to make. Yes. Um, And that's like one, what's one narrative, but what's interesting is like around this time, like some of the Jupiter and Pisces stuff starts to come online because like, I think around like the sixth or something, there's like the Jupiter Kazemi. So that's a cycle reset for Jupiter. And I believe it's in the middle decan of um, the middle decan of Pisces. Yeah, let me double check that real quick. I think you're, yes, yep, yep. Middle decan of Pisces, which is Jupiter's decan. So it's almost like there's this, um, there's like this important realization about like, I know some people talk about connotations of Jupiter and truth, but also like I think of Jupiter as like narratives, but not like in the mercurial sense of like I'm telling a story about like what happened, like what's happening now. Like Jupiter, like the jovial narrative is like the like the epic, you know, like these epics that people tell and like pass down like to generations because it informs what's valuable, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a sense of like providing like cultural, spiritual wisdom or what have you. Like, I think that, you know, some of that does get set into motion with this Jupiter Kazemi in Pisces, which I don't think we've had yet. Yeah. On that, I mean, I do wonder what's gonna come up around this time. And, you know, as April comes up and there's more stuff happening in Pisces, because as you were talking, the thing that popped in my head was all the discourse around critical race theory here in the U.S. and how a lot of that really is, it's, 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 a, it's a battle not just about, like, whether to teach race in schools or not. It's about It's a battle around narrative, right? It's a battle around... Um, you know, um, around uh, white people who don't think that teaching about slavery or race or racial issues is teaching of history. They like, though, that's the way that a lot of these politicians um, and other, um, you know, people in the community who are really against teaching quote unquote critical race theory in schools are upset about. They think they're th- that it's a teaching of inaccurate history. Like that's how they No, not it. only that, but like, uh, I think doubly like, or triply. So like, I wish I'd gone back and like um, looked at, like jupiter like what was going on with jupiter whenever all the debates about critical race theory last year especially were going on um i remember like holy crap what was i thinking of like i'm just looking at this kazemi and thinking about the fact that it's happening in the sibley fourth and it like jupiter rules like um the first which is you know the nation and its identity and then like the ninth house has is ruled by the sun, which has to do with like beliefs and culture. And I think that like, there's this element of like, I think you're right. Like, I think it'd be interesting to see what happens in that regard because um, there are important themes about like, you know, what the nation's identity is and like how, you know, both the way we understand ourselves and our history, like informs like, how we move through the world and how like ultimately the world perceives us. Right. And so I think that, no, that's actually a good catch. Like that's. It's, now, I to, now I have to go back and look like, cause I, 
Yeah. I know. I, I wish I had looked too, because it really just popped in my head now. But the, the, the first date I pop, I, I'm looking. So one thing that it's going to come up in 2022 in the United States is the midterm elections. And people are already anticipating that this is going to be one of the hottest issues that's going to be debated about. And we already saw it in 2021 with the Virginia governor race. And that was on November 2nd. I'm looking at the chart right now. I wish I had more time to actually really study it because I don't see, um, I don't see too much happening with, jupiter other than i know i know both jupiter and saturn are barely like getting out of their stations right like they're slowly starting to move already at this point but um but yeah no i mean back to just 2022 and jupiter and pisces i i I do wonder what's going to kind of come up around critical race theory in the midterms and stuff but more no. of that as we go into November, for sure. Yeah, I feel like that would be especially relevant for November and, like, October even, because I know Jupiter's doing some interesting shit transit-wise. Um, but, yeah, no, like, I think that there are important themes around, like, narratives and what we tell ourselves. And I'm thinking about Canada because Canada does have a Jupiter in Pisces. Um, it's in the first decan though, but it's in the twelfth house, and it's opposed like the chart ruler, which is Mars and Virgo. <laughs> um, and I think that there are also um, parallels between like what are these narratives we tell ourselves about like who we are as a country and like the things we've done to people, um, the things we've done at people's expense to like, um, yeah, yeah, and. Like, with anything happening with Jupiter and Pisces this year, like, we can't forget that Neptune is also co-present. And on that note, like, on March 13th, sun, the Sun and Neptune can join mm-hmm. Pisces. So. Well, I will say what's interesting is that even though, like, Mercury is, like, far away, a couple of days before, Mercury does go into Pisces finally. So it's, like, all this stuff, like, while the Mars-Venus stuff is going on in Aquarius, it's, like, there's this little party in Pisces. And, like, I feel like in March especially you're really going to see like how the things going on in the mutable signs and especially Pisces are really disjointed from like what's going on in the fixed signs, especially Aquarius. Like (laughs) it's like everything will become somewhat compartmentalized and like discombobulated, I think. And I think the sun conjunct Neptune is like, you know, kind of adding to this like challenges with like narratives and like how we understand ourselves and like relate to other people um yeah Yeah. i i I guess this really depends on your chart too but on an individual level i could see these transits in pisces actually being feeling really good but i I worry a lot more on the mundane level on the individual level they could feel good at the moment but i think i would also just caution people right like whenever neptune's involved right like especially around this whole like the stories you tell yourselves just um watch out for whatever kind of deception or even self-deception escapism yeah like i feel like also people forget like people like neptune is dreamy and vibey i'm like neptune is equally nightmares okay I cannot tell you how many times, like, actually looking back, like, when I um, started, uh, what was it, like, antidepressants or something, and, like, I think this was after that Mars retrograde in Aquarius, when Mars finally dipped into Pisces, and I remember, like, Neptune was squaring my chart ruler at the time, and I remember when Mars was going over Neptune and stuff, I had the worst nightmares of my entire life. It was terrible. 
Like it was hell. And so I think that there's this potential for like insane disillusionment. And I wonder if like there's this escapism that gets promoted yes. during this time. Yeah. I The astrology podcast made a really good point. You, you were already kind of making this point too of like the fact that Aquarius and Pisces are side by side to each other. Like when it comes to like how this is transiting your natal chart, it's going to fall in these houses that are back to back. And you might get this feeling of like, whatever's happening in the Aquarius part of your chart is going to be ch more challenging. And then whatever's going to be happening in the Pisces part of your chart is going to be nice. Um, but again, I, I, you're just like, you know, like, um, you know, proceed with caution. Cause for me, for example, as a Taurus rising, that means all the Aquarius stuff's going to be happening in my 10th house and career. And then all the Pisces stuff's happening in my 11th house. And by April, I'm going to be hopefully in like a whole new city. And I just imagine like I could already see it as like perhaps challenges at work and career as I'm like trying to transition to a new job. Um, but also like really having a good fucking time <laughs> in New York City with possibly like new friends and communities. So yeah, for me, it's like 12 and one. So like, you know, I've lived in the 12th house the last fucking year. And you know what? It was actually not that bad like it sucked but it wasn't like you know the end of the world i mean it'll probably be f me feeling like less stuck mm. probably making like you know just because like mars and venus do say things about like my um you know my studies versus like my community and like but also like you know my finances and what i owe people like that's gonna be annoying but then like me feeling like okay i'm empowered and i can do whatever like uh, whatever fine i feel better but like the task of like undoing or being undone by like all these other things is really um stressful and so yeah no for sure like that's something that's gonna be felt for i want to say march and april honestly like yeah. that's just how it's gonna that's just how it's gonna be Yes. Yeah, there's much to say about April in terms of what's happening in Pisces. Um, but um, with March, so on March 20th, the sun enters Aries. And I wanted, I was, because you, you study mundane a lot more than I do. And I know you've studied Aries, Aries ingress charts. You and know, so, I haven't looked at the 2022 charts yet. I will look at them. Okay. Well, I, um, I took a brief look at the one for Washington, D.C., and it's a Gemini rising chart, just so you know. Okay, so that means, like, what degree is in Gemini, though? Oh, shit. I should look. I, I did Because um, <laughs> I'm thinking about, because Canada's ascendant is usually the same. So, like, um, if it's Gemini, oh, God. Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> And Mercury's still in Pisces at that time. I know it is. So like, yeah, I the th one of the things that just stood out to me from a brief glance at this chart is every single thing's in that top hemisphere except for the Moon in Libra in the fifth house. Mm -hmm. And it's at the anoretic degree. It's twenty nine degrees. <laughs> oh, so the, oh yeah, because this is a couple days after the um, Virgo uh, full moon. Yes. Which is not quite opposite Neptune, which is probably preferable. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, no, around that same time, like of the Aries ingress, I think same day, like Jupiter and Mercury are conjoined in Pisces. So that is something to, that's what I have on my um, notes. Like they're, they're close, 
or conjunct. I don't know if they Aren't perfect. Are they also really close to Neptune then too? Yeah, I think so. Let me double check. Hold on. So what is this? The 21st, right? Yes. Because I know, I know Mercury and Neptune. They're, they are about four or five degrees off. Okay. But like it's still pretty close, honestly. Like mm-hmm. it's it's pretty close. Um, not within three degrees, but it's in with, within five. So I would count it personally. Yeah. Yeah. No, they are basically conjunct, and so I'm thinking about what that means for the Sibley chart. Then, and not this. Well, yes, the Sibley chart, because what you do with mundane is you would take the Aries ingress, and then whatever chart you have for any country, like you would kind of overlay it like kind of like a solar return like you overlay it to the rooted chart and so like for the u.s the reason i don't like that will become clear <laughs> later when we talk about november <laughs> but um yeah no it's just that if the ascendant is in gemini it's highlighting that seventh house which has to do with other nations um yeah. known enemies um yeah <laughs> <laughs> And I think of the fact that literally on the same day, like, you know, Jupiter and Mercury are together. Like, that does feel, and again, this is still in that second decan of Pisces. Mm -hmm. So it's feeling very nice. And I think it's actually a few degrees off from uh, Mercury's maximum fall, which is interesting. Hmm. Because it's at 15. And the conjunction's at about 18 degrees. And so... Again, I feel like this is more getting carried away with like certain narratives. And I'm just thinking about the US chart and the fact that um, the leader, which is signified by Mercury, if you use the 10th whole sign house, um, is like not doing hot. And you have Jupiter like conjoined it. You know, Jupiter is responsible for Mercury. And it's almost like. Um, I can see this going two ways, like, because Jupiter is technically bonifying Mercury and it's like receiving Mercury. So it's almost like I can see themes around like trying to um, paint a narrative around like the state of leadership, right? Especially if they're not really doing hot and their health isn't great. Or like um, their attentions, because like Mercury also rules other other nations, especially ones that are at like, you know, known rivals known enemies right like it's just giving you know making it's almost like painting like especially as neptune is so close like painting this rosy picture or like having a leader that's painting a more um a rosier narrative or a more um poetic narrative of what's going on than what actually exists and I think these narratives are useful in that they soothe unnecessary anxiety. But like for the fact that Mercury does run into Neptune, like not too long after, I think it's like, I think two or three days later. It is. It's the March 23 is the Mercury Neptune conjunction. It's literally like, you know, it's like someone's talking out of the side of their mouth, but like they do it in such a way where they're like waxing lyrical on this and they're like making you feel like things are better than they are. 
Yeah, I imagine things will sound can sound really really nice, but in terms of like anything being fact based or precision precision or details, I bet a lot of that will be lacking. Yeah, and the reason I say this is because it's like two days before the Jupiter Mercury conjunction, Venus squares Uranus first. Yeah. This is before the ingress, and that's like you know, Venus is already not happy, right? Mm-hmm. and you know it's almost like you're forced to change tastes or forced to change your like socialization habits or you're forced to change how you indulge in certain things yeah and then like you have this like day where um you know the jupiter mercury conjunction happens and somebody's like trying to soothe you by um telling you a great story or a great epic tale about like something that they've done or like what they can offer you right it's like persuasion so great and then the next literally the next day mars is squaring uranus like it perfects and so that's like it's almost like with the aquarius stuff it's like things are popping off in the background and then you have somebody like who's like not paying attention to it like their back is to it and they're telling you everything is great. Everything is awesome. Like, look at all these things we've done. Look at all these things we can do. And it's not that like those things aren't true. It's like, it's just that they're ignoring like other stuff that's going on in the background Mm -hmm. in favor of trying to bring people together with this like narrative. (laughs) And then Mercury conjoins Neptune right after that. So it's like literally this like five day period where like it seems like things are coming apart at the seams Mm -hmm. and whoever is like trying to like boost morale or something or encourage people to like unify behind like a narrative, which I feel like is very jovial as opposed to Venusian, right? Yeah. There's more about of this like collective like valuing and enjoying, whereas like Venus is more like personal, right? (laughs) Well, on Venus, right? Like, I, I yeah, I, especially toward the end of the month, like, it's just Venus is just not having a good time. And because it's, it's just approaching that conjunction with Saturn, it's already, you know, it's squaring Uranus, and then it's got Mars still kind of closely behind it. And so mm-hmm. on March 28th, the Venus Saturn conjunction finally goes um, exact. And so Mars is or Mars Venus is going to be sandwiched between Mars and Saturn in its um yeah and just kind of these like this this last decan of Aquarius. Okay, so it's funny cuz I I think like what people don't realize is um like yes Venus is besieged but like I feel like there's like a narrative that can come out of Venus like being between Mars and Saturn who like really don't fuck with each other right now (laughs) and venus having to maybe overextend herself to deal with two difficult parties where you know one of them is actually in the right and has the authority to do something whereas the other person is like really resistant and i think like it's interesting how venus squares uranus first like think of like last uh this past summer and like i remember there was a time where I think Venus and Mars were both in Leo and like (laughs) Venus hit that opposition with Saturn first before Mm -hmm. Mars did. And it's almost like Venus was playing this role of going in and softening 
before Mars came in, you know, like a lion, just like, and causing like a ruckus for no reason. And I think it's going to be more like that. But instead of like the opposition where it's like, we both want to act contrary to what Saturn is doing. It's like, we're trying to get on the same page as Saturn, but maybe not agreeing with how we're supposed to do it. Yeah. And Uranus kind of, you know, throwing a wrench in our ability to do it. Yeah. And so Venus not feeling, Venusian things not feeling great because you're trying to keep the peace between like two parts of your life or two influences in your life that are just not seeing things yeah. eye to eye. Right? I, I think if anyone is going through a frustrating time during this, during March, um, especially around Venusian things like relationships or creative work, um, I, I mean, I think the um, best advice I would have is just to, just, it's, it's, it's going to be so temporary because we go into April and maybe this is a good segue into April and then Venus yeah. is in Pisces. <laughs> yeah, no, literally. It will pass. It definitely will pass and quick too yeah i mean the thing is like it also doesn't help because like around this time that saturn and venus conjoined mercury goes into aries like so yeah. the waxing lyrical and the being nice and trying to convince people that all kind of goes out the window <laughs> and it's all about like how fast can you like communicate your point or get something out and like start something you know like start an important dialogue especially like it's like about okay we just need to like get through and like do this. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, which is funny because, um, like just after the new moon in Aries, there's also like a Mercury Kazemi in Aries as well. Like, so I think that's pretty interesting. It's almost like there's this urgency with like respect to trying to communicate something important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let me, hold on. So, yeah, April. <laughs> um, I want to say I want to make sure I get this right, but if, I think it's it's Venus, Jupiter, Mars, and Neptune are going to be in Pisces this month. But yes, I think it's I think it's important to know, as you just said, that we start off the month with a new moon in Aries, and then the Sun Mercury Kazemi in Aries. So you know, it's not there's stuff already going on in Aries for sure, and I think it really really kicks off in Aries in May. But I think a lot of the focus of April. Is gonna be in Pisces. Yeah, like and like the disjointedness just gets more extreme. Like because at the beginning of the month, it's like so Saturn and Mars are finally conjoining, and I don't I, I remember that configuration like what last year, and that's <gasps> when like the lockdown really, really, really got serious. That like was, literally, everywhere. yeah, that was early March twenty twenty, and that was uh, yeah that point. By the end of March, like uh, pretty much the entire world had been locked down. Because I know, I know here in Hawaii, we were just one of the last, but yeah. Yeah, like we were locked down and it was like, yeah, so about three weeks. Uh, nah, this is like longer. <laughs> this is longer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I can't believe, I mean, this conjunction has not happened um, since since then. <laughs> and that was when March 2020 was when Saturn very briefly entered into Aquarius and then mm -hmm. dipped out and then it went back into Capricorn for the rest of 2020. But this is, um, you know, now this conjunction's in that last decan. And I think yeah. of the fact that the last decan of Aquarius has those connotations of like, 
the bare minimum only. Like, I need to, like, only carry on my back what's useful, what's necessary. Everything else can just go, right? I'll purge everything. And I think of the fact that Mars and Saturn can represent two different styles of purging and ending things. So I feel like there's going to, like, there's this need to, like, maybe clear something out, whether it's, like, responsibilities or obligations or, like, all these things that you want to do or pursue. It's just kind of going to be like you being between a rock and a hard place for a while. And, yeah, you know, having to, like... like Oh, sorry, or even the nope. feeling of like, like I when I think about this Deccan, or when I draw the Seven of Swords, which is associated with this Deccan, <laughs> that rock and hard place, yes. But sometimes it's also like you got like you got one foot in, one foot out. That feeling of just like, okay, you gotta you gotta make a call. Like you can't. Have yeah, like you gotta this. make a call. And like the thing is, like unlike other times that Mars and Saturn conjoin, it's gonna be like. You know, because Saturn is like the rate limiting step. It's like the rate limiting step will determine how fast you can go or not. Um, for some reason, this makes me think of like a lot of people I know because I'm a grad student, right? And I'm in a lab and there are people who are potentially getting ready to graduate and wrapping up their PhDs. And I think there's this element of like, you know, how fast you can get out of here is determined by, you know, the work or the commitments that you have left here. And I think that there's going to be, unlike the first one, which is going to literally like I'm banished and isolated from everybody. It's like, I literally just want to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, and I'm literally going to carry as much, like take as much as I can get mm. and then like leave. Oh, um, God. I mean, so that if- also just makes me think too of like, remember in March um, 2020 and like, when the lockdown started happening, just all the supply hoarding that took place, right? And then the shortages of toilet paper and, and Ooh, you know wipes. This is actually, it's good that she brought that up. You know why? Because I'm thinking of the fact that like not too long after this conjunction goes exact, literally like a day or two later, Venus goes into Pisces. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's people, and like Jupiter, like, so with Jupiter and Neptune being together in Pisces and like, I feel like people sleep on how indulged everybody's like Pisces is spiritual. Sure. But because Pisces is a place where both benefics have like dignity, it's a very indulgent place. And I think that, so I think that like there are elements of like people wanting to indulge again in certain things. Like, I'm not sure that this go around Saturn Mars is going to be, Oh, us having more lockdowns, but it could be like something stops people from like working as hard as they could. Right. Because it's like, it could be, yeah, we go back to work, but there are restrictions on how many people can be in the workplace or like, yeah, we go back to work, but everybody's doing the shit virtually. And people are just having more ability to structure their time how they feel like, right? Mm-hmm. And people want to indulge as a result. Um, anyway, so I'm thinking that, like, you know, something changes to, like, something about the structure of the workplace. Because I'm thinking about, like, Saturn and Mars as being planets that do have more connotations of, like, labor and the experience, right? Mm-hmm. I think the structure changes, Right. And so people have having like more time to like 
do things a certain way. So like, I think that one thing that could come out of this is like, maybe there are shorter work days or people have to go into the actual workplace less often, but maybe there are more demands made of the time that they are there. But as a result, they want to indulge more in these other parts of their life that are not being affected. Yeah. And so I'm wondering if like some of the supply hoarding and like the resource hoarding comes from that. Like, you know, uh, I I mean, I, I hope I hope because I know I know, for example, like the governor of New York has already been um, I was reading an article just a few weeks ago about how she's really pushing for offices to bring people back to work in 2022. And the article was making a note that she one of her top donors is the commercial real estate industry, because that's the industry mm-hmm. that's getting hit the hardest when people aren't back to work. But even you know for the place i'm gonna start working at like they like and i'm sure a lot of other workplaces are like this like they don't want people to come back into work because that means um by by not having people work remote then they don't have to pay for the the monthly office space yeah yeah and like i think of like the fact that um venus and jupiter now being together in pisces around like the beginning like the the end of the first week of the month like people really like coming up with more creative ways that they could spend their money yeah i think it's gonna be nice um mercury enters taurus in the midst of all this like it's just like it's just i I feel like it's just so much venus like yeah in this venus ruled sign um yeah that jupiter neptune conjunction as you had mentioned that happens on april 12th it's really indulgent yes on on April 14th, Mars moves into Pisces, and I, even Mars has triplicity in Pisces, so yep. it's, <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's going to be the worst thing when Mars moves in, like, look, Jupiter is still in domicile, Venus is still exalted, I, I agree with you, I, I mean, I just think it's, it is going to be kind of indulgent, it's going to be, yeah, yeah. It's super indulgent. And like, I think like having um, two out of three of the nighttime planets in a nocturnal sign, one of them being exalted here, both of them dispositing to Jupiter. It's almost like, like, think about the fact that like, that like March, April transition is both of the nocturnal planets like being ruled by, you know, the daytime malefic versus the nighttime benefic and it's like they go through this hard challenge and like i feel like saturn is like no you can't do this no you can't do that blah 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 like no 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 here are the limits and then getting through that and then finally coming out on the other side of it it's almost like they get liberated by being told no and they find like something else to you know be inspired by or something else to pursue Mm -hmm. so it's almost like whether it's, you know, the continuation of more lockdowns or, like, more restrictions or just, like, changes, um, it could be, like, okay, this this is terrible. I can't do anything to, wait a second, I thought I couldn't do something, but it's, like, maybe it's time to, like, either do something else or do it differently, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, when I look at, so, that's that's just the first half of April. <laughs> yeah. And then when I look at this second half, um, yeah, the 16th is a full moon in Libra. So it's like, okay, more just another Venusian sign. 
activated and mm-hmm. then um the sun enters taurus on the 19th there we get into taurus season um one thing that i i don't look too i tend not to look too much at when planets like enter the bendings because then it's just like it's just so much to look at but i do think mm-hmm. it's worth noting that saturn enters or will be in the south bending on april 21st and it just makes me think of what you were just saying around saturn (laughs) just hanging out like while all this stuff is happening in pisces you still have you still have saturn aquarius in domicile i think that once stuff starts moving into taurus like it's where like it's almost like the good times are like here towards the end of april especially like once stuff you know starts moving towards venus and jupiter right but then like when everything moves into Aries and then Taurus, it's like the good times have stopped rolling. And it's like we're trying to have a good time still, but Saturn is like, I'm still here. Remember? <laughs> yeah. I'm still here. I'm still here. And I really like I've been looking at these like like I know it's just Mercury, but like Mercury square Saturn, like about five days into Taurus season feels like something to watch, especially just because Mercury is gonna go like retrograde you know, through the end of Taurus and it yes. will square Saturn like a couple of times. So it's like squaring Saturn pretty early on. Yeah. But like, it's going to square again. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, this is the first hit. And so when I see Mercury Saturn things, it's just like, you know, both Mercury and Saturn have this thing in common where they like, you know, categorizing things and like, dissecting things well i feel like that's more mercury mars but like still like finding the fundamental pieces of something and figuring out how you can put it together um so i think that there's going to be some tension between like okay this is the overall structure you want and these are the limits but it's like these are the all the pieces i have and this is how many permutations i can get like what like i can't i can only contort so much especially because like this isn't like Mercury and Gemini, right? This is Mercury and Taurus. I can only contort so much. And like, is it really worth contorting that much if it's not, if it's too stressful, right? Mm-hmm. There's almost this element of that. And then we can't, uh, you know, every time anything goes into fixed signs this year, it's like, okay, yeah, there's also going to be, uh, Mercury's also going to conjoin Uranus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so Uranus yeah. is always going to be involved too. <laughs> And now the North Node, like, yes. Yes. <laughs> now the North Node. Yeah. yeah but that... you, know, you know what's interesting? Like, around this time, Mercury's making all those aspects. Because I think first it, like, squares Saturn, then it, like, hits Uranus. Or, like, it hit Uranus before, and then it, like, hits Saturn. And then it'll eventually meet the North Node. Like, yeah. it's ruled by this Venus that's, like, OP, super drunk, and, um... <laughs> It's a drunk Venus, like yes, yes. Especially toward the end of this month, like Venus conjoins Neptune on the twenty seventh with Jupiter just three degrees away, mm-hmm. and then the month ends very, very interestingly. On April thirtieth, we have the solar eclipse in Taurus, and then Venus and Jupiter are going to be conjoined, but Neptune's still three degrees away. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Mercury also goes into Gemini literally the same yes. day. Like, okay, so I swear to God, like, I'm one of those people where it's like, yes, this is an eclipse. I'm not telling you to go out and do magic on an eclipse. I think that's kind of dumb. But I've noticed that at least some of the Taurus eclipses lately, 
Um, or like Taurus, like especially like the Taurus moons conjunct Uranus, like the Taurus lunations conjunct Uranus, have been like pleasantly surprising. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think the the like eclipse piece is like getting something you want and then some, but not in the way you wanted it. I think it's more of that. Mm, yeah, yeah, I could see that. I, I yeah, I, I, the tr- this past eclipse um, cycle, like it wasn't ba- that bad for me. Like it's in my first house, and the most major thing that happened was me being like it's time for me to start cutting weight. I got to start watching what I eat again. I got to start cooking and it's been going really like, well, (laughs) but I, um, what was I going to say about this eclipse? Yeah. I I, I did enjoy on the astrology podcast, the disagreements that on whether to conceive or not (laughs) during this eclipse. (sighs) Well, um, so, for the fact that this eclipse is an exalted Taurus moon, disposited by an overpowered Venus who is, like, near her maximum exaltation, uh, conjunct her, like, ruler, who's also very happy, like, I think even, like, I would argue that some people, like, would end up conceiving anyway. This is just a good day. Yeah. This is literally just a good day for your birth control to be like, I'm going to take a day off. <laughs> like, So it's like, do you really need to plan conception if conception has planned you? <laughs> like, um, oh, yes. Yeah. I don't know. It's just giving, especially for some of the water and like earth risings who have like fifth house seventh house stuff going on around this time side eyeing um capricorn uh scorpio virgo risings cancer no not cancer risings not pisces well maybe pisces risings but like still mostly water and um earth risings feels like a good development for relational stuff (laughs) It, it's literally like it's a pretty fertile eclipse like i'm just like look don't like necessarily plan for like your life's work to happen this day but i think like good things will choose you mm. that's what i think yeah i like that good things will I, choose I like you. it i like it and then you know mercury goes home like because where it will only stay for a bit before it goes retrograde like yeah so that means, like, nearly all of the planets will either be in domicile or exalted, right? Because that's Mercury, Moon, Venus, Jupiter, Saturn. Saturn. <laughs> yeah. So just everything like, but the Sun and Mars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and neither of them are terrible or anything. So, wow. Well. I think that wraps up April, right? Because that is literally the last day of April. Yeah. This is a nice segue into May because this is where things start to like, it's almost like after peak ecstasy, like things just start to accelerate. Yes. The first like two days, like the first four days of the month, it's like what? uh, Venus goes into Aries on the second. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like massive dignity change. (laughs) Yes. It's like I experienced peak ecstasy and now I have to like go out and pursue more. 
it's like someone coming off of a high literally yeah yeah it really is such a big shift for venus like venus will get deccan rulership in that last 10 degrees but still like that's the last 10 degrees no it's like so it is a yeah. shift yeah. i don't hate um, it, it is, <laughs> i don't i don't hate it either like look so we go from having like four planets in pisces to now like this month is going to be three planets mm. and aries mars doesn't enter until toward the end and you know that's mars's domicile um mm. but yeah to me i have a feeling it's it, jupiter and pisces is just gonna feel really really fast like man that was it um we do get jupiter and pisces again later in the year but yeah jupiter will be in aries and this is my jupiter return <laughs> in my 12th house so i um yeah, Jupiter and Aries. So, like, Jupiter will have dignity by triplicity. Mm -hmm. And is that it? It, it won't be in its second until the end, technically. Like, also that last 10 degrees. Yes, yes. Okay, that was, like, trying to remember. Um, it's, yeah, so Jupiter will have, like, like a little more dignity here than venus so it's not going to be as like dramatic of a shift as when venus <laughs> goes in um but it's still a big jump down in dignity from like going from domicile to you know triplicity and i you know as someone who has this natal placement it can very much be like very it can be very very fuck around and find out energy that's for sure <laughs> and i will definitely caution especially once we, mars enters and is we, like out co-signing all that <laughs> no no that's honestly like okay because like i would argue that like jupiter's dip into aries is very much fuck around and find out energy <laughs> like that is so loud yes <laughs> i um, like it say too that like jupiter also signifies law and order and like can be spiritual practice and education philosophy you know all that kind of stuff so i, I think it'd also be really great energy to get your shit together or to learn some shit like you know, take some leaps of faith so if you do there is going to be very much that fuck around and find out but there are also ways where you could channel it into areas of your life where you do really want to experience some growth yeah, I think this, like, still, like, like because Jupiter is, like, making a nice aspect to what's going on in, like, Aquarius, it's just, like, how can I use this constructively? And, like, you know, Jupiter is not going to, like, have a sextile with Saturn until, like, I don't know, like, 2023, 20, but, like, that's, that's for another um, episode, but still, like, there's the sign-based sextile. But what's interesting is that again this is where the the continuation of that split between like what jupiter's doing in certain parts of your life and what like saturn is like oppressively doing to like especially the fixed signs in your life is doing because like you know while you know all these benefics are going into aries like you know venus goes on the second jupiter on the 11th like all these things in taurus are starting to hit uranus and like will eventually hit saturn like so you know two days after venus goes into aries the sun conjoins uranus and it's like oh my god that's so loud because it's like i've experienced the peak of like as good as things are gonna get and it's like okay now i have to chase more because it's like i experienced what like peak whatever could be right 
and I have to like go and start fresh again. And then like to have like the sun who's like ruled by this Venus hit Uranus two days after that big dignity change. Mm -hmm. It's almost like there's this need. It's like the revisitation of like the Taurus and Uranus story and like, you know, which part we're doing that in. And like, I think for the fact that this is happening in that middle decade of Taurus, which is very much about like the balance between like the labor you put into something and what you're getting from it. Right. Mm -hmm. I really think that a lot of these questions about like, who am I working for and why? And it's like, am I getting my fair share? Like, I think a lot of those questions are really going to come up with some of these transits through Taurus. I agree. And I think the other thing that comes up for me when I think about that second decade in Taurus too, like on top of like, yes, like I'm putting in work, like am I getting my fair share is coming to grips with the reality of whether what you're giving, like the people you're giving to or the communities or the places or whatever you're giving to are even just willing to accept or ready to receive like what you're mm-hmm. giving. Like, those kind of assessments too. Yeah. Um, and so, like, what's interesting is that <laughs> this is around my birthday and then my soul return, but, oh, God, <laughs> this middle of the month looks so brutal. It's brutal. Yeah. Um, so, the Ides of May, there's, like, Sun square Saturn <laughs> and that lunar eclipse in Scorpio. Yes, they, they really happen back-to-back. Back. Like, everything's just so back-to-back back this month. Like, I even completely forgot to mention that, you know, when Jupiter enters Aries on May 10th, Mercury stations retrograde the same day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, as Mo was saying, like, so that's May 10th, and then we go into May 15th, that's Sun-Saturn square, and then the 16th, that lunar eclipse in Scorpio. Yeah, I, okay, so this is going to be a heavy... Like, it's like the antithesis of that um, Taurus eclipse we got, excuse me, in November this year, because it's happening at similar degrees. Like, I think that one was like 26. This one's like 25 degrees. Yes. Um, It's looking rough, you guys. Like, the moon is depressed. The moon is being maltreated by Saturn. Like, I mean... This is like, and you know, the moon is in that last decan of um, Scorpio, which has, you know, a lot of those connotations of like, what can be built on the ashes of what was, right? Mm -hmm. This really feels like something is something important that was in your life really just needs to go. And you need to mourn it. I'm sorry. Like, it's, it feels, I, I. Eclipse is going to be like the hangover after just everything that's been happening in Pisces and then now Taurus. And Mm -hmm. the other thing really important to keep in mind with this eclipse is that it's where Saturn. Yeah. Yeah. So this eclipse has like it's eclipse for one. I mean, eclipses are already just eclipses. They're always going to be rough. And then this one squares Saturn and. uh. Um, there are some charts i'm looking at of like world leaders entities even people in my own life and it's just like this is not a good day (laughs) this is just not a good day like and it's that uh, it's that final decade of scorpio too right you're just like oh great like i i mean i kind of yet 
Like, I wonder if the veil just gets lifted in, like, certain areas of your life, depending on, like, where it falls in your chart. Um, yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, but, like, the good thing, because the moon is technically in its own decan, like, it's still nice. Like, I think that if you really lean into the energy of, like, clearing space for, like, you know, it's, like, grieving the things that are no longer and like drawing inspiration on those feelings of like missing it or longing mm. you can get a lot out of it but like something that i'm also thinking about is like the virtual virtual reality thing because there are elements or connotations of that and i'm thinking of uh mark zuckerberg who has his moon in this decan as well um <laughs> also an eclipsed moon in this decan by the way um wow. and i think that like Oh, he's having a nodal return. I just realized that. Holy he's shit. His nodal yeah. return. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I really think that, I mean, in his case, like, it's this metaverse stuff. Like, I'm, I'm convinced he's an Aquarius rising. Like, so this is like metaverse, like, having a big moment. And I think that, like, in some sense, like, think about how things have been the last, like, almost two years how like we've had to like adapt to like this thing that has reminded us of our like mortality and like how we are still at the mercy of like nature right Mm. and I think some of this is going to be us like it's like it's almost like there's this point of no return like with that eclipse because it's also square Saturn it's like this is the hard limit like you can choose how you cope but like you can't keep pretending that like life will ever be like it was. That's almost like how I feel about it. Like something big happens where it's like you, there's this deep realization that like you can't ever get back to how things were Mm -hmm. and you have to find your own ways of like immortalizing it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, yeah. This will be out of all the eclipses. I mean, there's actually also even the ones in fall. Oh, we'll get to that. But anyway, <laughs> um, two days after the eclipse, Mars and mm-hmm. Neptune can join in Pisces. And yeah. yeah, and then yeah, because like we we toward the second half of this month, then we just kind of get the last of just some of the Pisces stuff, right? Because it's like. Mm-hmm. Um, Mars is the last planet in there now. Mars will go into domicile, which I'll talk about in a bit. But when I just think about, <laughs> we just think about the uh, the Mars Neptune. Um, I don't know where I was going with this, but shoot, I just completely lost my train. No, but like the Mars Neptune is going to be an important conjunction to watch, just because, like, I mean, as we'll talk about in like October. Um, Mercury, I'm sorry, Mars does station retrograde square to Neptune. So I think that, like, paying attention to the squares is going to be really important just because, like, there's this, like, subplot that's going on within the mutable parts of your life that have to do with, like, this Mars-Neptune, like, tension Mm -hmm. that we're really going to feel, like, the rest of this year. So I feel like the conjunction is, like, I don't know, I feel like, you know, it's, like, Waiting through like a fog, yeah, yeah, or like it seems like one of those kind of 
because Mars always wants to take action, right? And the more direct, mm. the better. And in Pisces, it does have triplicity there, but it doesn't have any other kind of dignity. And I, I have just found Mars and water signs in general can, um, even even in Scorpio, it's domicile. Um, I feel like actions that are taken more deliberately um, and less impulsively tend to be rewarded more. And so when you get this Mars and Pisces conjoined to Neptune, yeah, to me, it just thinks a lot. It makes me think about like trying to push through, like drive really fast through fog would be like the dumbest thing <laughs> to do. It's like, no, but it's remember, Mars is in its own decan. So, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, it's a final decan. <laughs> it's almost like. You know, what are you willing to do to have the big happy ending? Like, and like this deck in the Pisces is super indulgent. Like, are you kidding me? It's super indulgent. So I think it's just more of the like indulgence and like maybe going for like far fetched things because the payout seems like high. Mm, yeah, it just seems like really like chaotic. To be fair, because Mars does go into Aries on the 25th, yeah. it seems like there is some kind of payout, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, two days prior to that, Mercury will go back into Taurus. And then, yeah, on the 20, yeah. The, then Mars goes into Aries. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think <laughs> I... It's going to be, this is going to be Mars's first time back in Aries since it was retrograde in the second half of 2020 and was like there for way too fucking long. Yeah. And it no, <laughs> but this time it no longer has Saturn squaring it and getting in the way of its shenanigans. No. And it's in a sun based square to Pluto, which is extra volatile. So, yep. And in fact, it actually now sextiles Saturn. <laughs> so I I think once it ingresses, I think this could be good for Mars type things, uh, maybe even Jupiter type things, because now Jupiter will be, you know, ruled by a Mars in domicile. Um, and I that la Mars will be in Aries until July 5th. And then by May, I, we do still have this like a slightly unhappy Venus in Aries, but then no, by the twenty, by the twenty eighth, Venus enters its domicile Taurus. Yes, but I don't like the parting gift from Pluto. Yeah, like oh, that the Venus square. Pluto square might be a bit um because it's also the first opening square since like um Venus was spending an extended time in Capricorn, right? Like. So it's almost like the beginning of the reckoning of whatever was happening and happening in that time as well. So I'm just kind of looking at it like it's like a day that's not pleasant if you want to, you know, enjoy things. But it's like I'm thinking of like how it's kind of like a weird foil to like remember that day when they stormed the Capitol and Mars was anoretic yeah. in um, Aries but went into Taurus. It's like an inverse of that. It's like Pluto is like overcoming Venus and it, you feel like there's no hope for justice. Yeah. And then all of a sudden Venus goes into Taurus and there's almost like this restoration, not necessarily of hope, but like of the ability or desire to enjoy things. Right. 
Yeah, the, this end of May does have a lot of, like, back and forth, where I, I'm getting just a sense that there's going to be some good stuff, and there's going to be no, some not-so-good stuff. It's going to be a lot of trade-offs, because we really do go, we go from, we go from, um, we go from Mars entering Aries, and then, like, literally a few days after that Venus-Pluto square happens, and then the next day, yeah, well, as then Venus enters Taurus, and then the day after that, that's when the Mars-Jupiter conjunction happens in Aries, which um, I think that conjunction can be good. I think at worst it could lead to perhaps maybe some like overinflation or um, yeah. But well, I feel like that last like the last like two days of May with like <clears throat> you know a benefic gaining dignity again and like you know Mars conjoining Jupiter. It's almost like okay, let's be all gas, no brakes. Yeah. I feel like I've found the thing that like I can enjoy and indulge in, maybe pursue, and then like really feeling like there could be this like inflated sense, overinflated sense of like what you can hope to accomplish because Jupiter is there maybe providing resources like morale, things like that to Mars, which is like, I want to go off and do all this cool new shit. Right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Mars figured out there was this indulgent thing and it's like, I want to go for this, like, seemingly far-fetched thing and, like, eventually makes that conjunction with Jupiter at the end of May, like, which is like, okay, here are all the resources. And it's like, hell yeah, I can just do whatever. And then, like, what's going on with, like, Venus is, like, while this good stuff is going on and, like, in terms of, like, you know, the risks I'm willing to take and, like, my productivity levels, it's like, great, I'm feeling great. Like, I can enjoy things again. Here are some things I can, like... Here's how I can structure my indulgence, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what's even nicer is that there's like a new moon in Gemini on the same day. Like, yeah. Yeah. so it's like, <laughs> you know, it's the end like, of eclipse season for now. Mm-hmm, for now, which is a nice segue into June because it's like we end May a little quietly and like, you know, we don't really get much going on in June until the fourth when Mercury stations direct and Taurus finally. And Saturn stations retrograde. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Saturn. Yeah, when I look when I look at the astrology of June, like I do, even even though Venus does enter Taurus at the end of May, that story really happens in June, right? Because yeah. Um, but yeah, we do get that Mercury stationing direct, which is nice, and then Saturn will station retrograde in Aquarius, and look when. When it comes to Saturn and Jupiter's like retrogrades, right? Like they happen, they're long. They tend to be about five months long, and they happen every year. So, um, yeah, I think there's there, there's the station's always something to note because you you may feel that shift, but in terms of like what will happen because it happens over like a longer duration, like it may not be as potent. But, but then like. Then the next big transit that happens after all that is on June 11th, Venus and Uranus will conjoin. Yeah, and I, I don't really enjoy this one for a couple of reasons, just because, like, literally um, a week later, Venus will run into Saturn, who's, like, moving towards both of them, right? Yes. And so this is, again, where I go, everything seems, like, kind of hunky-dory, and you're like, okay, I'm rediscovering, like, things that I like to enjoy. And I think with Venus, the ruler of Uranus right now, as it sits in Taurus, is coming here. It's like, maybe there's an easier ability to make peace with, um, you know, what you need to change as it relates to your values or your relationships or 
you know, the things you enjoy or want to create, but it's not going to feel nice. It's like, okay, I've hit this, um, unexpected, like, you know, it's like a change in taste or change in like your values. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that know. is really hard to talk. You can't really talk about this Venus-Uranus conjunction without talking about the square, the, the Venus-Saturn square that happens like a week away. Both are in domicile, so I think that's something to like keep in mind is that Venus will be in Taurus and then Saturn will be in Aquarius. And one of the tricky things with multiple planets in domicile is, like in this case, they tend to either square or oppose one another. So you here you have these like two very well-equipped, strong planets going after their own agendas and possibly butting heads so when i think about venus first dealing with that conjunction with uranus and as you mentioned that change in taste now i feel like it's like okay venus is gonna want to make this change and saturn's gonna like really want to like hold its ground and venus is gonna be like wait i don't have to answer to you because there's also that element yeah like they both have no like there's no venus doesn't have any dignity in aquarius except maybe like you know some terms or a decan and like well, she has two decans, but whatever. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> but, like, even so, like, it's not, like, in terms of, like, the major dignity is, like, Venus has limited dignity in Aquarius. And the same is true of Saturn in Taurus. So there's this element of, like, it's like, okay, I'm good. Thanks for your, like, unwarranted advice in the case of Saturn being in the superior square. It's like, but I'm good over here. I want to do things this way. So there's going to be this tension that comes about. And I really feel like um, just because Venus and Saturn aspects can have to do a lot with like commitment, especially in terms of like, oh, like we agreed to have this kind of relationship or, you know, we agreed on this kind of like creative output. Like mm -hmm. if you're not seeing eye to eye with the creative vision of something, or the direction of, of or status of a relationship. This is a time where it's like, maybe someone realizes, I want to be in an open relationship. Or, you know, the opposite. Hey, we've been in an open relationship. I want to be monogamous. And the person being like, that's not the rules we agreed to. <laughs> and the other person being like, well, that's what I want. Yep. Deal with it. Like, yep. <laughs> I could totally see a lot of that. I... So the last time Venus and Saturn were in these signs and squared one another was April 25th of 2021. And on that day, um, the governor of Alabama had signed a bill banning transgender athletes. And so I think it's relevant in terms of like Saturn can often be just like that authority. And sometimes like the status quo, like I know Saturn gets like, especially Saturn Aquarius, people can associate a lot with just like, oh, it's like humanitarian and innovative. No. And it's like, no, it's also it's Saturn no. and domicile. <laughs> Sorry, guys, but no. <laughs> yeah. And so that was like when that had happened, right? That was just one of just like part of like this bigger narrative of last spring around transgender athletes. Like that was just like, all over my social media and all over the news was what you know just a lot of that discourse around that topic um the other thing i thought was so when i was looking at people who have this particular placement venus and um, taurus and square saturn and aquarius johnny depp is one and he's someone who i mean going back to just relationships right like this just numerous just relationship issues and um, then here's one that's like outside of just 
relationship stuff is Otto von Bismarck, who is, you know, most known for unifying the modern day German state. And that just makes me think so much about Venus's associations with unification. And it's like, but what's Wait, did you <laughs> unifying Germany? I'm just thinking because um, I'm thinking of the um, uh, the um, European Union chart. And Germany is just such a big player in the European Union these days. And they just had a, like, Angela Merkel's out now, right? She's gone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, so what's interesting is around the degrees where the Venus um, Saturn square is. Let me, like, actually just go to that now. What day is that on again? Like, the. Oh, the Venus um, Saturn square? It's June 18th. Okay. Holy shit. Okay. This is funny because uh, the um, European Union chart has like a 23 degree Saturn in Aquarius. <laughs> <laughs> and the Venus will be on the moon of that chart oh, um, when the square is happening. So I thought it was interesting that she brought up like, oh, this guy who has this configuration of Venus and Saturn unified <laughs> the German states. And I'm just sitting here like, is this going to be like a new chart? <laughs> It's just funny because it also triggers the um, Mars-Pluto, because um, there's a Mars-Pluto uh, moon-Saturn T-square, because they have Mars conjunct Pluto in the fourth. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's really loud. That's really loud. Um, okay. Well, well, yeah, that's something to look out for then. There's like news about the European Union, particularly Germany. Yeah, it doesn't help that the North Node is still, like, within three degrees of all of that. Yes. Like, yes. just, there could be this hyper, like, this attempt at, like, being, I don't know, like, there's almost this excess around, like, forging, like, lasting relationships, just because it's, like, Venus in Taurus, and that last Deccan, that last Deccan is very insurance policy heavy. <laughs> It's like let's form these relationships as collateral, yeah. <laughs> just to prevent like you know what I mean. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if like during that time, even like on a non-mundane perspective, like people are just forging alliances for the sake of like collecting a favor later. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I could I could totally. I could definitely see that. Um, I see that coming up in parts of my life right now. Like, <laughs> I can already see where that is going. Oh God! Well, yeah. that's that's mid June. I as for the rest of June, I I would say that the only other thing I really want to know is Venus will then you know leave all of that and enter Gemini on June twenty second. And um, I also, yeah, I also completely slept on like June, just a week prior, sorry, like June 13th is when Mercury re-enters Gemini. So Venus will be in Gemini with Mercury there mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm, I still have PTSD from the Venus <laughs> retrograde in Gemini. And so whenever I look at like Venus and Gemini, I'm like, hmm. She doesn't no, have any no. She doesn't have any dignity in here, right? Does she really need decans? She has a decan in the middle. 
Yeah. So. Yeah, in the middle. Is there anything else you want to talk about for June? Mm, not really. <laughs> yeah, right? Because there's, no, there's nothing really else for the second half no. of June. I mean, honestly, like, it's not like stuff isn't happening. So, like, yeah, Venus does go into Gemini on the 23rd. Um, the sun does squirt you. So, like, yeah, okay, this is what I meant by later in the year, you'll see that the lunations will start squaring planets. So, oh, what's yeah. interesting is that the new moon in Cancer will be squaring the sun in Jupiter. I'm sorry, we'll be squaring Jupiter in the sun's exaltation Aries. Because, like, one thing I noted was that, like, oh, they're, like, exchanging signs by exaltation, technically. So it's, like, that's really interesting. And that could be, like, a nice, like, it feels like a nice rejuvenating lunation. Like, oh, and it's a new kinda, moon. Yeah, with all I know. That. It's, yeah. it's kind of wholesome, right? <laughs> I like it. We need more wholesome in the astrology of 2022. So. It's wholesome. It's like, okay, like the sun and Jupiter are exchanging exaltations. Like, I feel like Jupiter being in the overcoming position, like, and new moons having connotations of like starting things or like the beginning or the implanting of a seed. Like, I think it's like a good beginning that gets set up for sure. Yeah. And whatever the cancer part of your life is. It's a good way to end the month. It is. <laughs> and on that note, could we could we take a break at this time? Yes. Time?